Welcome to Season 3 of the Knowledge from the Couch Podcast. More history, more people, more of the stuff that got you here in the first place. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, jump! Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Knowledge from the Couch podcast. It is Kyle, your host. What is up, guys? Sorry I took last week off. You know how work gets sometimes, but I'm glad to be back for another episode of a little Knowledge from the Couch podcast. This is episode number 48, nearing the 50th episode of the show. Guys, what is happening? How are you? And what's your life like right now? Let me know about all that. I'm genuinely curious. Guys, today's episode, we continue our theme on civics here in the United States, something that is near and dear to my heart. I find it extremely interesting, and I don't know. It's just just been fun to talk about uh, uh, the way that the politics of America have shaped, you know, American culture throughout the the last, you know, 200-plus years since the United States has formally been a nation. And guys, today's episode is not really anything uh, sort of specific like that. Today's episode, I want to talk about voting. Yes, the most mundane of activities that you do. You roll into a an old uh, uh, retired person's living place, an assisted living place, or a church, or a gymnasium of some sort. That's right. When you are voting in he in these United States of America, you are going to go to some god awful forgotten place, and you are going to pick up a ballot, and you are going to cast your votes for who you want in the upcoming election, wherever and whenever that may be. And guys, of course, we know that coming up here in a few days in the United States, and obviously. This part of the episode isn't going to age extremely well because, you know, the the election cycle that I'm referring to is going to be long gone by the time probably half the people listen to this episode anyway. But for those who are getting it in the here and now, uh, in a few days in the United States, there are some midterm 2018 elections. And not only is there that, but there are a lot of local and state level elections that go along with the federal or national level uh, elections, and I just wanted to talk a, a little bit about voting and the history of voting and, and how we got to where we are today and how important it really is to keep up with your right as a United States citizen to cast a ballot. And for those of you who are from not the United States, you are from outside these borders, you know, some of my international listeners, I uh, I hope you learn a little bit of something about voting in this country, this country being the U.S. of A. And for all my people inside the borders of this country, I hope you use it as a catalyst to remind you that it is your right and that you should, no matter what creed or affiliation or whatever it is you are, don't let that stop you from going to vote. Everyone is welcome. That's the entire point of the situation. Guys, Episode number 48 of the Knowledge from the Couch podcast, voting in these United States. Guys, stick with me. Thank you. 
right, guys. So let's talk a little bit about a voting in the United States. Um, this episode, I believe, is going to be a little bit more uh, philosophical again, as some of the previous episodes have been that have covered the more uh, um, broad, you know, rights and stuff. Like we did a few uh, a few weeks ago, we did those episodes uh, talking about Hawaiian sovereignty. But for at least half of that episode. I went, you know, into diatribes and lamenting about, you know, personal and, and, and you know, nationwide sovereignty as a thing. And, you know, there are many other examples of that sort of principle that aren't just, you know, Hawaiian sovereignty. So you can get into this sort of, you know, this sort of higher, I don't want to call it higher level thinking, but more, you know, broad and less focused and less you know, topical thinking and more of a debate type of style on the merits of, you know, those sort of things. And that's, I think, what we're going to talk about today on on this episode is, you know, voting and in particular in in these United States. Now, of course, we must lay the groundwork and and first put out there, of course. That the United States is not a direct democracy like you would think of 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 the ones in um in ancient antiquity in, in in Greece and other places uh the united states is a federal republic that meaning that each um you know it's it, there are too many people in this country to to literally hold a referendum on every single thing that ever happened to everybody it would just be clogged and messy i mean some people would argue obviously that that's already the case but you know, at least we have some halfway system in in bypassing that. If you had a direct democracy where every single person had a vote for every single thing that happened all the time, you'd be having election days every single day of the year forever. You would have just so many things to talk about that you'd never get anything done at all. So in in response to that, um, the United States employs, you know, what a lot of places sort of employ now, but in its own, you know, special sort of American, you know, America, fuck yeah, type of way in the style of uh, representative government. So at the very highest levels of government, you have the the houses that are, you know, supposed to represent the will of the people. You have the House of Representatives, which at this point has uh, 400 and I believe 35 uh, members, and you also have uh, the Senate, which is going to have a hundred people. And now each state gets two senators, so it's uh, one of those things where it's sort of uh, meant to counterbalance the House of Representatives. Uh, each state gets a uh, a representative per a certain amount of people. So states like California have a shitload, like over fifty representatives in the House of uh, Representatives, whereas my home state of Nebraska only has three because of the uh, slightly, slightly smaller population of Nebraska versus California. Um, but each state is granted a couple of senators uh, to sort of balance out the fact that if you have, you know, you, if you have senators, uh, then you can sort of stop the bullying, I suppose you could say, of larger, more populated states against smaller, you know, states like, you know, the Midwest, where there are far less people here than there are on the coasts. And it's it's one of those things that, you know, it, it, it seems good on paper. And for the most part, it is. But obviously, nothing is perfect. And really, when it comes down to it, um, you know, this it's just one of those things where the way it works now, you have a little bit less representation for the massive population centers and a little bit more representation for the slightly rural areas based totally on the fact that you have these senators. But that's neither here nor there. That is just the description of the legislative part of the government. And those people who represent, you know, us, the people, we, the people, are voted in by we, the people. Now, notwithstanding the way the president of the United States is elected through the Electoral College, and that may be another uh, podcast down the line, we won't talk about that much today because it is very different. But basically, everything else that we engage in is a direct election. Those House of Representatives people, those senators that exist, they are voted in by you, the people. Those are the people that are supposed to represent your interests in the United States Congress, and then they are the ones who deliberate on actions. And 
when people talk about it and I hear that you know they, they go around and say, well, my vote doesn't matter and I don't care and, and who gives a shit because you know, whatever I think you know isn't going to happen anyway. Uh, first of all, there are many ways to uh, dispute that stupid ass statement, but I'm going to first state that, of course, your vote does matter. Now, the degree by which it matters is is up for debate. Obviously, um, sometimes when you're engaged in a gigantic election, of course, one vote isn't going to be, you know, something that sways anything by any means. Now, does it mean that that can't be the case, that one vote can't sway something? That's absolutely not true, but it's highly unlikely. But at the same time, your vote still does matter. And where it really matters and where it really counts is these type of elections for your state elected officials that go to the federal government and Congress. And even more importantly, the people at the state and local level for you. Your vote does matter. It is something that will swing something. Now, of course, because we are a population full of people that think in varied and different ways, absolutely zero people have the exact same politics. You could have a set of twins raised in a household in the exact same way, um, you know, the, the raised to think a certain way, going to the same schools, hanging out with the same crowd of people, and you will still inevitably have two completely different points of view despite basically everything else being entirely the same and equal. That's the beauty and also the sort of grief of politics in general. Nobody has the exact same viewpoint on quote unquote how the world is supposed to be. And that's the beauty of it. Uh, you can you can go in and you can, you know, attempt to vote for the person that you think is going to do the very best for whatever it is you believe in. And if you don't have a person that is like that, and you feel very strongly about those sort of things, ding, 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 if you want to, you, yes, I'm talking to you out there, you in particular, you can go and run for office yourself and become part of the uh, public service sector. Now, the, the, the thing about it is, obviously, like I'm saying, people are going to think differently about things, and people are going to get sad about, well, this person doesn't represent A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. They only represent A, B, C, D, E, and F. And I don't know if I can support them because they just don't like G. And to that I say, I am sorry, my dude or my lady, but life isn't always exactly fair and things just aren't always going to be 100% your way. Sometimes you have to vote for, you know, the person who represents your interests in the most, you know, in in the best sort of way possible, you know, within the way it goes. That That, that is just logic in life. And I feel like that's it's a big thing that stops people from going out and voting is that they think that, well, if nothing's going to go my way exactly, then I just, I don't even bother. I mean, think about it this way. If you go and vote for somebody and they end up winning and uh, you have... 10 things that you love and that you support and that you want to see done in the state or city or country or whatever, you know, you're thinking about that, you know, that power moving to, you have 10 things and this representative supports maybe pretty strongly seven or eight of those 10 things. That's pretty good. It's most of it. It's not all of it, of course, but it is most of it. And if you help vote and get that person elected, chances are pretty good that those seven or eight things are going to now receive a voice in a higher level of government and hopefully have a much better chance of coming to fruition. But if you don't vote and you somehow, you know, you're uh, the person who would have done all that stuff loses and doesn't get into power, well, now you're going to get zero out of 10. And, and, and things are just going to continue to go the way you don't want them to go and you're going to start lamenting, oh, God, I can't believe that these people in government do this and that and the other thing and I can't, uh, it's the worst thing ever. I can't believe my vote doesn't, well, I'm not even going to vote. I'm just protesting because of this. That's, that's malarkey. That's some real goddamn malarkey. That's, that's very stupid. And, and when it comes to people in general, human beings, basic type of human interaction compromise is extremely important not everybody is going to support whatever it is that you do or you want 100 because like i said we're all different but sometimes 
it pays if you want the stuff you want done done that you get people in or you get yourself into a place where at the very least, you know, some of these things can hopefully get done or people can, when they get to that point, make compromises and we can all so hopefully find a happy medium. So I'm trying to really illustrate here as I scream at my wall three feet away from me to no one in particular that voting in these United States, if you are of, you know, the the legal requirements to vote, and we'll talk about that a little bit in, in a sec, then you almost certainly should go and do so because not only is it a way that you get your people, you know, into wherever they are to hopefully, you know, put forward the stuff that you believe in, but it is your right as a citizen of these United States to go and do so. It's It's one of those things that is kind of ambiguously outlined in the Constitution as a right. But if you ever take the United States citizenship test, one of the questions is, what is the most important right that any United States citizen holds? And the answer to that question is, of course, the right to vote. It's the right to have your voice as a citizen of the country heard in some kind of way. You influence the ebb and the flow of Everything, and especially if you are voting for local elections. I know people go, well, I don't care, you know. I mean, for example, in the state I live in, Nebraska is a fairly conservative state. So for the most part, the people who gain power are those of a conservative mindset. Now, I personally am not a very conservative person, but it is understandable that there, if there are more people uh, on that side of the fence than on the other side of the fence, that, of course— for the most part, the the will of the majority of the people is going to be served in that particular way, and I can't get mad at that. I can sort of be upset at certain point of views and not like those things, but that's why I go out and vote because it's my attempt to put people in that will maybe start to change that sort of thing, and it's other people's attempt to either continue those things, uh, add more things that they like, whatever it is, that is their attempt as well, so I I, I can't you know, it doesn't mean that just because every single little thing that I want to do doesn't happen all the time that I shouldn't go out there and still exercise the right to try and have, you know, my voice heard in a certain way. It isn't a waste of time and it isn't useless. It's 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 what you should do as a citizen of this country. You have the means to speak out. If you don't use that means, then I, I really hate to be that guy, but you honestly don't have room to complain anymore. Obviously, you do a little bit because you just you shouldn't be, you know, shamed into not feeling a certain way because you didn't enact, you know, whatever it is. But at the same time, you have the opportunity and it is free to do you. You are not barred from doing so. You can go and do this thing that helps put your point of view out into the ether and makes things happen, hopefully in the way that you're trying to have happen. And the reason I bring this particular topic up uh, when we talk about voting in this country, voting has not, never really been, surprisingly, uh, uh, when, you, when you hear the opinion about people going, oh, it's the most important thing you can do, when you hear me personally talking at you in your headphones right now telling you that it is an important thing to do, it for some reason, isn't the easiest thing to do. You think that if something was so important, it was so fundamental, that it would be incredibly simple to engage in, but that is not the case. Uh, originally, back when the United States was was first, you know, was first becoming a thing, and the uh, Constitution was put in as the law of the land, pretty much nobody but white dudes who owned property could vote. And as you can imagine. The amount of people in the United States as a whole was not mostly white guys who owned property. In fact, it was a small minority, which, you know, it, it really, when you think back to it, seems like a lot of bullshit, right? There was a very small amount of people influencing what was going on in the entire country at large, where there were a great uh, many other people that were experiencing a word that you will probably hear a lot more during election cycles, a word called disenfranchisement. Now, being uh, enfranchised or franchised is basically, <clears throat> excuse me, basically the ability to go and cast votes and have your 
voice heard in a public way where you uh, can swing, you know, whatever it is that you're going to swing in terms of the political landscape of your country. Being franchised means that you are uh, able and legally, uh, you know, you're able to do this and you are almost obliged to do so. Being disenfranchised means that despite the fact that you live in a place, you are not allowed to vote in that place. Now, of course, disenfranchisement is a little bit more subtle than, hey, I'm here, but you're not allowing me to do the voting. Therefore, I am disenfranchised and I hate this. Well, it's been like that a long time and it still continues to be like that a little way. But there are some things like, you know, children and babies and and this uh, there aren't just going to vote. And if you want to be the type of person that, you know, wants to allow six year olds to go cast a ballot, then by all means, go run for office and see how many people vote for you. That is the loveliness of uh, our system. You may not get very much uh, support, but it is uh, also your right, and I would never stop somebody for trying to do something like that. It just is on you at that point to convince people that whatever you're doing is a good idea. So obviously, in this country right now, those smaller, younger, tiny, miniature human beings are not allowed to vote because for some reason— You know, we have to draw our lines arbitrarily at some point. And in the United States at this point, it is the age of 18 where you are then allowed to legally vote. But at the first part of of this nation, part one of the United States, not very many people could vote. You had a ton of poor people who didn't own property who couldn't vote. And the the Constitution is 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 left vague. Um, intentionally to make this a sort of a state thing. So, and it still is the way it is today. There is really no, there are federal sort of outlines saying, hey, these are basically who should be able to vote and we're not going to bar these people from voting. But in the end, we are going to leave, you know, the the way we register for these elections and the way we do polling and the way we do ballots and the way we do uh, counting and this all the different things that go into voting for candidates in elections, we're going to leave those down to the state level. And so you even see that today. Everybody does it a little bit differently. I mean, think back to the uh, the, the year 2000 in the presidential election. I know we weren't going to talk about the presidential election. I'm not really going to talk about it in particular. But you remember um, the hanging Chad, you know, from Florida. And that was a different way to vote. You had this piece of paper and you had a, 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 a sharp stylet and you would poke in the little things in the boxes. You would like put the card into like a plastic holder and it would have the holes outlined. And it would say, oh, if you're going to vote for this person, you know, poke out this hole. And if you're going to vote for this person, you'll poke out this hole. Kind of like a reverse Scantron where instead of filling in a bubble, you poke out a bubble, whatever. That's different than, you know, the way that I vote in Nebraska. In the, in the state of Nebraska, we have, you know, these sort of Scantron like sheets that they put in a little uh, gray thing and you open it up and you take a pencil and you fill in the circle of of the person that you want to vote for. You finish the whole thing and then you box it up and then they take it over to the election box that is sealed. They put the thing in there and eventually later on they take all the ballots that have been cast and they run it through a computer system that, you know, counts, hey, this person voted for this based on the Scantron fill sheet and and in many other states uh, there are varying uh, parts of, you know, uh, electronic voting where you literally go up to like a computer screen and you click or point, you know, or I click on a screen or touch on a screen, whatever it is, the way it goes and you vote for people that way. So you would think, obviously, that it would be it would be in everyone's best interest to have a system that was secure and easy to count and easy to understand for people of all different, you know, uh, upbringings. You know, some things can be more complicated and and in a slight amount of way, sort of disenfranchising in their own way was something you can't, you know, very readily and easily do. Um, but at the other time, there are some really obtuse and obstinate things that make it real pain in the fucking ass to try to vote. And it's like we you would think that those things would become, you know, you'd find a common thing that sort of bridges the gap between it and make it a, you know, sort of a federal standard. But of course, the history of this country always pits the federal government uh, of which it runs the states and the state governments against each other and against the federal government. And everybody's always having a tug of war. And isn't that just the beauty of it all? Anyhow, as I go off on this this ridiculous tangent about voting machines, um, the states have the right to run an election 
in any way that they see fit. And that's why there's there have always been these these disenfranch- disenfranchising problems as we've made our way through history. At first, you couldn't be a person who voted unless you were a white dude with property. That was basically the law in a lot of these different states in varying degrees. And then later on, we have the 15th Amendment to the Constitution in uh, 1870. That amendment, the 15th Amendment, reads as such. It reads, Section 1, the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. And Section 2, the Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. So you get to the 15th Amendment, and this was ratified in 1870. Basically, if, if you know your timelines and what we just talked about, where does 1870 lie in the timeline? There might have been a little baby war called the Civil War that just got done just a few years earlier where many uh, uh, states decided to secede from the Union based on the fact that they really liked having slaves, and then they were uh, um, summarily defeated. And then as they worked their way back into the Union which from which they seceded, that Union said, hey, man, you got to let all these now free people who are not slaves and will not ever be slaves again. You must now allow these people to vote. Or at the very least, you can't say in whatever it is, you can't say, oh, you know, because you're black, you know, or because you were a slave, whatever, you can't vote anymore. So that was the, the 15th Amendment. Now, did that do a goddamn thing? Ugh. It depends on where you're from. Um, some states were already allowing those, you know, conditions to be something that didn't bar a person from uh, voting. And some of these uh, other states that were really, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say very secessionist minded, very, I guess, in their words, quote unquote, states rights minded, weren't very happy about having this new gigantic group of people have the ability to vote. So. Things like poll taxes and literacy tests were uh, introduced to basically say, hey, if you can't do this, which is to say pay the poll tax to come and vote. Doesn't that sound fucking insane? Like if I'm going to go vote next week on Tuesday in this election, all it requires me to do is get there. If I can get to that place, I can vote. That's a whole other bag of worms because that in itself can be a little bit of a disenfranchisement when you gerrymander districts and put polling places in weird fucking spots where a lot of the people who would live in that district can't readily get to those polling places to vote and therefore sort of lose their voice, you know, because it just isn't made uh, simple enough for them. Anyhow, I can do it for free. Back in the day, you would literally have to roll up to the poll and be like, hey, man, I'm going to vote today. And they're like, okay pay the troll toe and you would pay money and you that's how you were able to vote. Of course, you can understand that if you have to pay to vote, that people who are poor are not going to want to waste their time voting because they don't want to spend their their hard-earned money on something like this that isn't going to feed their family or buy something, you know, that keep them warm at night. So, of course, in a roundabout way, and this is sort of American tradition, I suppose, at this point, it was a way to disenfranchise a great deal of people. They weren't saying, hey, man, you're a black dude, you can't vote. Or, hey, man, you're a white dude, you can't vote. They were saying, hey, man, pay the pay the piper. And if you can't, now you can't vote. Things like, you know, like I said, poll taxes and things like literacy tests. There were still a great deal of people at this time who were not literate, who could not read very well or, you know, at all or a little bit or you know, varying degrees of literacy. And you could put a test out there. And the test obviously is completely and utterly arbitrary. It's just somebody saying, oh, I'll just put a test out here. And obviously, you know, the people I want to have able to vote are going to be able to pass it. No problem. Whereas the people I don't want to vote are going to, you know, just fucking fail completely and utterly. So, of course, it then disenfranchises people who have those sort of situations where they can't pass that sort of test. So now, despite the fact that the 15th Amendment exists and says, hey, man, you can't discriminate on the basis of race, color, or previous condition of servitude, oopsie-daisy, we'll find a way around that, and people continue to be disenfranchised. Of course, the 19th Amendment later on 
uh, very popular in 1920, is the amendment that then that then gave uh, women the right to vote. Because despite all of this, even at the 15th Amendment, it only stated, you know, um, uh, the right of the citizens of the United States to vote should not be denied by uh, race, color, or previous condition. It didn't say anything about gender or sex as well. So women were still continually basically put away from voting despite making up half or more of the population were put away from the ability to vote. That is until 1920, where women were then uh, allowed the right to vote. That amendment itself reads as, quote, the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied, denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Reads a lot like the previous one. Now, women are opened up to the field of voting, but that doesn't mean that people are happy about it. And of course, because of other things like, you know, the 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 generalized uh, oppression of women anyway, women still don't vote nearly as often as they probably should. And that's a very interesting thing to think about, because don't you think that the perspective of a female is going to be maybe different than that of a male or might be the same? But either way, there are perspectives of these people that aren't allowed to make their way out there because they are being suppressed and stopped from voting. And now all of a sudden in 1920, those uh, feelings can come out. And of course, every time, it, it seems like every single time that there is a new amendment that says, hey man, now more people can vote, there is always going to be a bunch of other people that say, oh fuck, I, don't, I, I, I really am not happy about this, and there are all kinds of efforts made to disenfranchise. And disenfranchisement, funny enough, is a very naughty word when it comes to politics. If you start accusing people of disenfranchising, it is goddamn near going out and calling people racist. You know, if you are are, are running for office and you call your opponent a goddamn racist, oh my God, the defense shields will fly up like crazy. Nobody likes to be called a racist because nobody likes to think of themselves as a racist at the same sort of vein, not exactly the same, but in the same sort of, you know, oh boy, that taboo feeling, you go, hey man, this guy that you're going to, you know, want to vote for here that I'm running against, this guy draws districts weird and he does this and he does that and of course he does the other thing and God damn it, that is causing disenfranchisement of voters, he is trying to purge voter rolls, he is trying to do this, he is trying to make you, the guy out there, not able to vote and what a cocksucker that guy is. And everybody's like, yeah, what a dickhead. He's trying to, you know, uh, not allow my grandma who lives down the street because this and that, and she can't go vote. And, you know, being accused of disenfranchisement is a huge thing. But at the same time, being accused of it and having to argue uh, against it doesn't really actually stop anyone from attempting to do so because people who are against more people coming to vote are typically people who have a certain point of view that will be changed because of a new flooding of a certain type of population into the voting. You know, the 15th Amendment comes, and now that, you know, black people and others can vote, oh my God, all these people that I just, you know, summarily, you know, uh, oppressed for hundreds of years are now going to be able to vote. Oh shit, he says. And then later on, oh my God, now in the 19th Amendment, women can vote. Oh shit, now people that I have summarily oppressed are now going to be able to vote against stuff that I like. Oh, shit. Uh, Later on, in 1964, the 24th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is ratified, and this amendment had to do with what we were talking about earlier and poll taxes, where it basically bans poll taxes, not allowing that sort of thing to be a thing to basically open up uh, polling to everybody so that you don't have to show up and get and, and, and go, hey, man, I want to vote. And the guy goes, hey, it's 20 bucks to vote. That doesn't happen anymore. That amendment reads as follows. The right of citizens of the United States to vote in any primary or other election for president or vice president, for electors for president or vice president, or for senator or representatives in Congress shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax. And of course, Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. 
So now the money gets taken out of the situation. So now we're adding more people in that can do so. And we're also taking out the fact that some people had to pay to uh, have the right to vote. Then later on, uh, uh, a few years later in 1971, the 26th Amendment of the United States was added. And this is probably the the least controversial or whatever you would like to call it of the ones. This one changed the voting age uh, minimum from 21 to 18. The right of citizens of the United States who are 18 years of age or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age. And of course, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. So now you have opened up three years worth of people. So as people turn 18 instead of 21, now they are able to vote. So you open up a a, a larger swath of people, you know, getting rid of poll taxes opens up a larger swath of people from varying degrees of, of affluence from the very you know richest to the very poorest. Everyone can go and vote. Of course, it still isn't a perfect system. Uh, they, there are many ways that states still, you know, basically disenfranchise those people who, you know, are legally eligible to vote. Here's the thing. Here is the thing. When it comes down to it, if you are a citizen of the United States and you're 18 years old, at least you can go and vote. Now it sucks. And we, we talked about this a little bit at the top of the show, you know, if you are 17 years old and 364 days and younger, I apologize to you because you are being in some way disenfranchised. You are not allowed to vote yet. But for the most part, you know, people just have to draw that, you know, that arbitrary line and just the, the way it sort of is at 18 years old. Most people probably feel like, hey, you've completed, you know, at least a very basic, you know, amount of education in high school. And hopefully at this point you understand what it means to go out and cast your ballot, you know. So anybody, though, who is 18 years old and a citizen of the United States, no matter what color they are, no matter what race they are, no matter what sex they are, no matter how they identify, they are going to be eligible to go and vote from age 18 to age 8 billion if you happen to be some sort of crazy Keanu Reeves immortal person. Of course, there are little stipulations to this. Uh, the the way things go, if you are a most states, uh, will say that if you're a felon, if you've ever been convicted of a felony, that you may never vote again. Uh, even if you have been convicted of a really stupid felony, and obviously I'm not a guy out here going, "Hey, guys, let's go out and commit fucking crimes." I don't give a shit. I'm I don't I don't care about anything. You know these people, uh, whatever. There are things that are felonies that really aren't the worst thing ever. There's a difference between, you know, uh, uh, the felony of of stealing something because you're hungry and you just happen to get caught and, you know, it's just it's a thing and the felony of killing another person. There's definitely a difference between the two. But in the eyes of the law, you are a felon. You are unable to vote. You are ineligible. And that is actually a pretty uh, controversial type of disenfranchisement these days. There are people who are felons who serve their time or serve their sentence in whatever that you know, whatever way that uh, means, and they are done. They are done serving that sentence, and it's over, and they've been a, a citizen, um, rehabilitated on good behavior, have not done anything else since then, that will never regain the right to vote. That kind of sucks. Uh, that is a, a difficult thing to try to wrap your head around. And most people are, there are plenty of people who are going to say, hey, you know, you're a criminal, so fuck you. I mean, that's a pretty common, you know, sentiment uh, from aware, from a, of, you know, around where I'm from. And say, you know, oh, you, if you couldn't do the time, you shouldn't have done the crime. And, you know, not, you know, very subtle, isn't it? Very, a very subtle um, way to think about it, not putting into the fact that everything is, you know, every situation is a little bit different. And of course, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, it gets difficult to think about something like that in, in where you have to take it case by case, but that sort of is the way it goes. Uh, and so, you know, not saying it's right or wrong, but most states will say, Hey, you're a felon. You don't get a vote. Um, that basically also at the same time, you know, that whole felony thing, it disenfranchises a certain group of people. It also disenfranchises, uh, unfortunately, um, 
predominantly more minority people in the United States than it does white people in the United States. You know, it is it is a a one of those things that is a very roundabout way to disenfranchise a certain group of people. But if you want to change that, there are always uh, ballot initiatives that are, you know, on ballots in, in states everywhere and even on the federal level that are aiming to change that sort of thing. But I just needed to mention it because I wanted to present the fact that that does exist. Another very interesting um, little sort of uh, of strange spot when it comes to that whole, hey, you're, you know, in the United States and you can vote, is the matter of Native Americans being a vote. Now you would think, oh, hey, the United States was dickish enough to take all your land kill a bunch of your people and force you to uh to to relocate from where you live to you know which is typically a really sweet spot you know a lot of people living in the northwest in those nice places a lot of people living in the southeast in some nice places we are going to pick you up and march you over and relocate you in some shitty ass fucking land in South Dakota or Oklahoma no offense South Dakota and Oklahoma but your land fucking sucks and we're going to locate these people there and we're going to say, hi, we care about you. We are putting a reservation for your culture here. Uh, sorry that it's it's shitty and sorry that it sucks. But, hey, at least we're giving you something, right? We're super nice. And, oh, by the way, in like 50 or so years, we're just going to take this land too. Bye. That's what we do. You'd think after all that bullshit that the United States would be nice enough to extend the right to vote in elections to these different uh, uh, Native American nations. But you would be probably not entirely surprised that it doesn't exactly work like that. In the uh, earlier days of the United States, you have things like the United States government basically making treaties with uh, Native American nations and tribes saying, hey, you know, we're going to take this land, but we're going to give you money and we're going to give you uh, other stuff, you know, just as sort of a bartering thing. And we are going to treat you, you know, basically as a sovereign nation. So when you think about it that way, if you're a sovereign nation separate from the United States getting treaties with the United States, then, of course, you don't get a vote in the elections of those United States because technically you aren't a part of those United States. But what about now? What about in 2018? What about Native Americans now uh, and their ability to vote? I mean, for the most part, you know, there's still this idea of a nation inside of a nation that these 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 native tribes are still, you know, quote unquote, sovereign um, apart from the United States. But it isn't true at all. They're basically more like vassal states or states that um, the United States is in control of and they don't get a say to do jack shit. They, they act a lot more like territories to the United States than they do um, as, you know, separate nations completely like. The United States negotiates uh, uh, trade deals and treaties and stuff with Canada. Canada is a different sovereign nation. The United States doesn't really do that with the Sioux tribe or the Lakota tribe or the Cheyenne tribe or the Apache tribe or the Mohawk tribe or any other of these tribes. They don't really do that as much because it's it just, you know, they're all kind of within the part of the United States and moving to reservations and the whole, you know, bloody and weird and 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 frankly, honestly, disgraceful history of the treatment of Native Americans in this country has led to this really kind of strange feeling that should we allow Native Americans to vote? And of course, if you want me to opine, I would say, of course you should. They live in these United States, the things that happen in the states that they live in and um, the country they live in do affect those people in a certain way. So, of course, they should be allowed to you know, voice their opinion um, and then others will say, well, yes, of course, but also they live on protected reserved lands where they do have some level of sovereignty and some level of autonomy to make rules the way they see fit. Like in the state of Nebraska, gambling in the state and casino type ways is illegal. But if you are part of a native reservation in the state of Nebraska, you may have a casino on your land because it isn't technically the same exact land as the state you're living in. So it is a little bit of a gray area, but because there is a gray area, there is still the 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 entirety of native tribes that are affected by the uh, laws and the politics of a nation they live in that aren't allowed to have a voice in the politics and the ebb and flow of the nation that they live in. 
And guys, I think at this point, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to go any further in, in, in sort of the history of voting in the United States because it has been such a crazy thing. But you can see that the voting has been opened up to more and more and more and more people. And if it's me talking about this sort of thing, I want to, you know, I have a certain view. This is going to, you know, I, I hate to do this every single time uh, that I get into one of these more metaphysical topics, but I am going to talk a little bit more about my opinion on how this maybe should go, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> you can vote in your own way to not download my show and listen to it if it uh, if it makes you sad, or if you agree with me, then I, I suppose that's great. Um, but I am going to go vote on Tuesday in these midterm elections because I want my voice to be heard. I want to be able to have my voice heard, and I want everybody who is uh, able to have their voice heard have it heard. You know, in my opinion, I think Election Day should be a federal holiday because it would make it easier for people going, well, I can't, you know, I I can't get off work. And there's still going to be people who obviously have to work on those days. I'm a person who's a part of an industry who, you know, has to work 365 days a year, seven days a week. It never really stops. But at the same time, doing something like that would open up the avenue for more and more people to get to the polls and not have to worry about the fact that, hey, I have to work and I can't go vote because I just have to work and I'll never be able to to do so. You know, things like that. I also support things like universal registration. You know, when you are uh, uh, of age, that you should be automatically registered to vote. Uh, some people might think that's a really strange idea and a weird idea, but I will have you know that that's the way North Dakota does it, and they do it just fine and dandy, and it wouldn't be very hard to move that to a higher level or a higher, you know, more amount of people. You know, these are the things that I sort of believe in. And even if it's something that you personally, listening to the podcast right now, now that I went on and on and on about this shit, I thought this episode was going to be fucking 15 minutes of me going, hey, go vote. It's smart to do. It's it's the right thing to do. So do. I thought it was going to be mostly just that, and then it would just be like a whatever thing. But it ends, it's ended up being a lot longer because I really feel passionate about the fact that you know, if you are able to, you should go and vote. And if you are not able to, we should try to find a way to make you able to. This isn't me sitting here saying, I want illegal immigrants to vote. Stop that shit before you even start that dumb bullshit at me. Because I know there are certain people who listen that are going to think that that's the first thing you do. Because, of course, our country is so goddamn polarized that anybody who's who wants to open up enfranchisement automatically is somebody who just wants the entire world to be able to vote on American politics. That's not what I'm fucking saying. I'm saying that I appreciate the fact that you should be a citizen to vote. I do think that that's the way it probably should be. And I think that if you are, you know, a citizen, you should be able to vote in the easiest uh most effective way possible. Things like absentee ballots and things like early voting are doing that sort of job, but I think it, you know, should be expanded a little bit farther. That's that's the whole thing. I keep cycling back, cycling back, cycling back because if I want that shit to happen, I got to go find the dudes and the other non-dudes who are going to put that stuff into effect in office. People I think who are going to put that stuff forward. I have to go, you know, vote for those people. And if I don't think that they're doing a good job, then maybe I should go and try to do that stuff myself. But either way, I have the right to do so, and I should be going and doing that. And if you have the right to do so, you should always, you should also be going and doing that. It is part of your, you know, rights laid out in this nation. And if you are not doing it, you are just throwing that right away. It is, it is, it's almost uh, abhorrent for me to think that you have the power to change something and you don't, you know. So overall, guys, my message is when you are able to vote, go out and do so. Vote for the people who believe in what you believe in, no matter what it is. You know, If you don't believe in the shit that I'm saying through this entire podcast, then don't vote for those people. I don't care. I do not give a shit. I don't want to suppress 
anyone's vote. I want everybody to go vote, whatever that means, for whatever it means, and then we will all wallow in the consequences of that voting, but at the very least, we had a say in the situation. And guys, that's that's it. Hey, cool, it's like an hour later and we're just, you know, talking about this whole bullshit, so... Uh, Great. Wonderful. You can catch the podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. iTunes, Stitcher, Google, uh, Spotify, all the things. You can find this podcast there. You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Steinhauser or at the Couch Pod for the show's page. You can find us on Facebook. Search Knowledge from the Couch Podcast. You can find us there hanging out. You may email the show, knowledgecouch at gmail.com. If you have some comments, questions, or concerns, I would appreciate it if you rated the show on iTunes or other places that take ratings. I truly, truly appreciate that. Tell your friends about the show if you like it and you think that they might like it as well. And guys, I hope you enjoyed my rambling little podcast today. I had a lot of fun actually talking at my wall doing so. Um, upcoming in the next few weeks, you will start to hear some of the episodes where I have guests on the show. You don't get to just hear my voice. There are going to be people other than me talking about all kinds of weird historical shit, and I hope that you're there for that stuff. Look forward to that. Otherwise, guys, another week down, another podcast down, and we're still making the world a better place one show at a time. Guys, Knowledge from the Couch Podcast. This has been episode 48. I have been your host, Kyle, and I hope, I hope sincerely that you live long and prosper and also vote if you can't.